the Lord for the praying, the preaching, the joining together of hearts these days. As I listened uh, since Sunday, being here Sunday morning, Sunday evening, then last evening, then this morning, I sense that God is a God of variety. We're not all alike. We do not all have the same light. You cannot walk in my light, and I cannot walk in yours. So if I say something that you don't agree with, I'll forgive you and we'll still be friends. <laughs> I've been to some places where the woman throw rocks at me when I got through, but uh, you're gracious people. <clears throat> And uh, I thank the Lord for everyone joining together. The hours late in our nation. God is taking away life from this nation. God reprobating this nation. I believe that in my heart. I believe the only hope we have. God moving in revival. I still believe God can move in revival. He's done it before. David says, because God has done something in the past and delivered, he said, that gives me hope for the future. <laughs> it certainly does. I come to speak to you on the God of revival. Camp meeting for revival, but you cannot have revival unless God moves upon us. It is not naked faith. It is faith plus the Spirit of God moving. That's right. God moves upon principle. Methods are many. Principles are few. Methods always change. But principles never do. God is a God of principle. And so he has moved sovereignly in revival. But like the pastor instructed us, he never comes to people that are not moving in the vein towards passive waiting. We must be active waiting on God. I believe God's doing right. Amen. <laughs> 
I come with that truth. And unless you believe that God is doing right, you never see revival. You must be thoroughly convinced in your heart that God does right. Is there an ocean in the back of your mind that God may do wrong? If it is, you better examine yourself. Things are not right for God to do them. They're right because he does them. And whatever he does is right. So he's doing right, isn't he? (laughs) And so we start right here this morning. A God that does right. It's a sad state of affairs in the churches when... The only attraction is God, and you can't get a crowd. You tell folks that you're going to talk about God, and they don't want to hear it. They don't hear nothing about Him. They want something else. Before we began to talk about the justice of God in moving, We make three statements. Lest someone misunderstand. A misquote. Number one. God permits evil. But he does not cause it. Second. God controls evil. But he does not condone it. Thirdly, God judges evil, but he does not excuse it. If God was less than sovereign, man would be less than responsible. The old Puritan said that balance of truth is not a great canyon. It's a razor's edge. To seek the balance of truth is what we want. And what we seek after. And so behind that we make this statement. Preacher McGuire, is anyone born to go to heaven? No, sir. Is anyone born to go to hell? No, sir. You're born to glorify God. And if you go to heaven, you'll glorify His grace. And if you go to hell, you'll glorify His wrath. For He's a God of grace. And He's a God of wrath. And though He's a God of wrath, He's a redeeming God. He's a redeeming God. Deuteronomy chapter 4 at verse 39. Deuteronomy 4, 39. God always acts like God. And before he comes, he conquers the heart. Before he comes in, he always conquers the heart. 
I've heard this, you know, about God never invades the will. I've heard that. If he didn't, we'd all go to hell. Verse 39, Know therefore this day and consider in thine heart that the Lord, he is God in heaven above and upon the earth beneath. There is none else. Where is God? He's above his people. Where is God? He's beneath his people. Where is God? He's before his people. Where is God? He's behind his people. He's around his people. He's with his people. He's within his people. Isn't it great to know that? It's great to know that. I thank the Lord that our brother touched on uh, Jonathan Edwards. I study Jonathan Edwards. I recommend the young preachers to sell your shirt and buy the two volumes of Jonathan Edwards. Men read them. Don't put them on the shelf. Read them. Get them in your heart. Jonathan Edwards preached on the justice of God in the damnation of sinners. And he was preaching there, brother, at Enfield. God came down mightily. And he was moving in the vein we're moving this morning that you must be convinced that God does right. Now Jonathan Edwards got into a lot of trouble like we do many times. I've been in and out of the briar patches too. <laughs> Old 40 years. <laughs> but God always does right. And I've been to a lot of places one time. <laughs> Jonathan Edwards is perhaps the only theologian that America ever produced. Nobody has ever touched his treatise on the human will. At an early age, God put his hand on him. Began to use that man, that boy. And he stayed at church 23 years. And when revival came upon his people, they voted him out. I'm here to tell you if you'll preach, you'll have plenty of room in the churches. <clears throat> you'll have plenty of room. Just preach. Yes. Jonathan Edwards during the time of his pastorate in that great church 
host of people in that town never produced anything that was lasting until he went out to the Indians in the wilderness God sent him out there and then he began to produce those works that have come to us he didn't have many out there and while he was writing he ran out of paper and his daughters had made fans to trade with the Indians and he wrote some of those great works upon those fans now preachers can you imagine a fellow trying to get his manuscript together and all those fans and putting them on his arm carrying them to the publisher but he had something worth reading and God was only going to send one Jonathan Edwards through But before he topped out, you remember, God moved him out of the wilderness through college. <laughs> Stayed there two months and went on to glory. That's all right too, wasn't it? <laughs> Gone are the old-fashioned Holy Ghost sermons that grip the heart and will not let go. power must be upon the old truths that we preach unless the Holy Ghost comes in power upon the old doctrines that we hold you'll not see a flea that time you'll not see anything move it's the deadest 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 in all the world to preach what we call the doctrines of grace without the Holy Ghost and I run across a lot of folks who have the doctrines of it but they do not live and practice the truth of it don't tell me you believe them unless you practice them how much of the Bible do we believe what we practice no more that's it and we preachers are aware of it that's why that we leave out in the gospel the moral content of the gospel of Jesus Christ you can preach the Bible from one end to the other and explain it to folks and they'll support you and love you and boy they'll hurt you and all of this but you when they find out you're talking to them you're in trouble you mean that God wants me to live right the man last Sunday I told you about his little uh, granddaughter six years old got the burden and that guy came and uh, he is a wicked rascal and down the woods for the service he said preacher you mean that the Lord is going to tell me what to do I said yes sir amen amen 
I don't believe anybody's saved till they get in the front door and lordship's the front door. Amen. Amen. That's why the devil's kicking up his heels over that one. Yeah. Amen. Across the country. He's really kicking up his heels. But until you come under the lordship of Jesus Christ, he tells you what to do. Now, you're just fooling yourself. You're not saved. You're lost. Man said to me, this great controversy going on on the lordship of Christ. He said, it's going to tear things up and the mission boards are going to pieces and everything. I said, brother, I've been praying for this day. Folks will have to get off the fence now. See, when you preach on election, folks don't understand all about that. <laughs> That's right. By the way, folks who argue the most about election is the ones who didn't get elected. <laughs> That's the ones who argue about that. That's at the heart of the gospel. That's why the devil hits it so hard. But the man in the pew oftentimes and the ladies do not understand all about election. But let me tell you, they understand that the crown belongs on the head of Jesus Christ. And you go to snatching the crown off his head. The man in the pew understands that. Thank God it's coming. Well, the time it's coming across this country. And when it comes, and the folks in the pew understand it, then they're going to cut the water off and take the pipes out. Thank God. <laughs> You're right, Brother Frank. <laughs> What are you talking about? I'm talking about God being God and doing right. He always does right. Jonathan Edwards preached a sermon on sinners in the hands of an angry God. Turn over to the Psalms for just a moment. Chapter 5 and verse 5. Chapter 5 and verse 5. <clears throat> the foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers believe that chapter 11 verse 5 the Lord trieth the righteous but the wicked him that loveth Violence is soul. Hades. Chapter 7, verse 11. Chapter 7, verse 11. God judges the righteous. 
God is angry with the sin of the wicked. Oh, now look, look at your Bible. That's the way we want to read it. Doesn't say that. God judges the righteous. God is angry with the wicked every day. If he wet, if he turn not, he will wet his sword. He has been his bow and made it ready. <clears throat> Old Jonathan, Jonathan Edwards came to the great truth that God was right in the damnation of sinners. And he began to preach along this line that God is angry with the wicked every day. And we need to take that truth to heart as you think about revival. God is wicked, is angry about this thing. Yes, sir. Amen. Now I'm a little bit angry myself as I look out across our nation. Does it disturb you the way that the flood's coming in? Does these great sins that we're facing in our nation, does it disturb you a little bit? <clears throat> oh, listen to me. We better get this principle down that God is angry with the wicked every day. got to start right here this generation does not believe that God hates sin and God's going to punish sin we've got to tell them you're right why don't you tell them God moved in mighty power a lot of praying been going on. <laughs> Don't sell that short. That's right. <clears throat> when revival hits Dundee under McShane, about 35 or more prayer meetings was going on in a week. Five of them were tended by children. We need something from God. It's been a long time. We see a little speck of it here and yonder. God touches down once in a while. And, but oh, wouldn't it be great to get in on one? That was sweeping across the country. I'm telling you, God is angry with the wicked. God's angry with the wicked. And perhaps the most wicked is the counterfeit preachers. Right. Right. Have the ear of the people. And they've given them false, 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 false. God help us. We make excuses for them, you know, and say so and so didn't believe like we believe, and you know, therefore, God help us on that too. They're wicked rascals. 
my brother missionary just read that uh, Andon preached the gospel of grace he said let him be damned cursed strongest word in the New Testament used five times cursed that's damned to separation says it twice to preachers he ought to say it to preachers oh yeah man the greatest time in your life is when you hear preaching God is ordained by the foolishness of preaching to save those that believe that's right boy I'm glad that we do have from God his election that's the greatest encouragement to me that some are coming some are coming boy if we didn't have that I don't know where it would be but the way it's presented now is that the human mind if you can present truth in front of the human mind they can grasp truth and believe it and be saved to tell you this book says you cannot the human mind doesn't have the capacity to get a hold of truth you've got to get beyond even the scriptures and beyond the promises to the one who gave the scriptures and the one who gave the why the Pharisees you talk about Bible folks well, they had the Bible they knew it backward and forward Jesus said you scan the scriptures you know them you think you have eternal life but you miss me I'm here to tell you that textualism will damn you as sure as your foot and half high. You just quote scripture and believe you've got the truth of it and you'll land in hell. How do you get to God? In the truth of him. But it must be revealed to your heart. Must be revealed. But we go on telling folks that it's taken the air good gospel message and it's presented well and our delivery is fine, you know, that they can just get a hold of it and get in. Not what the scripture says. Keep saying cannot, right. will not. <laughs> oh, God must do some for us. Yeah. God must do something. Oh no, the end of that, He is a redeeming God who hung His Son upon a cross. Yes. I'm glad. I'm glad. Yes. Aren't you? Though God's angry with the wicked, I'm glad we have a message 
could tell them that God hung his son on a bloody cross. And God's going to do right. He's going to do right toward the devil, toward angels, toward men, toward the underworld. God's going to do right. He's going to save as many as he can wisely save. (laughs) And he's not going to send anybody to hell that he can wisely save. That's right. He's going to save folks on his own terms. Amen. (laughs) My wife's here this morning... Fellas, your wife knows more about you than anybody else. <laughs> she knows your strengths and your weaknesses. <clears throat> now, I've been in places where they said, we're not going to pay you. I said, okay. They said, they're going to starve you to death. I don't look like a man starving. (laughs) Though I've lost almost a whole man. I lost 81 pounds. (laughs) But it's my place to preach the old book. And it's God's place to take care of me and my family. He's always done that. Two years ago, we were facing the crisis. But a little group of folks uh, purchased a house now on the acre of land and gave it to me and Bobby. The big churches didn't do that. <laughs> I tell you who did that, God. God did that. You believe he's going to do right about that if he calls you to preach? Now, you may not have many converts. Old William Carey preached for 35 years. You can count his converts on one hand. But everybody followed him to India had to build on what he did in those 35 years. Translate the language for them. Judson stayed out there seven years, no converts. What do you want for Christmas? He said a communion set. <laughs> New missionaries out of here. William Carey wrote a letter and he said, if anybody in England will write me a letter, he said, I'll pay the postage on it. Well, they didn't do it like we do it. And I believe that it's time for preachers and missionaries to look to God, the God of revival, who supplies the needs. And that God, the Bible tells us, is angry with the wicked every day. He's angry with the wicked.
He says here that he's going to judge his people too. But the God of revival and the one that's angry with the wicked every day will come down upon his people in his hour. We're in terrible shape. God doesn't help us. We're in terrible, terrible shape. Then I want to turn this thought over now. Sinners in the hand of an angry God. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. We apply that to sinners, but it's written to God's people. It's written to God's people. Let's turn it over now. God in the hand of angry men. Go back to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Our brother read part of the verse this morning. At verse 22 and 23. <coughs> God in the hands of angry sinners. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, the man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Now watch it. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. By the way, fellas, Ladies, we've got to let God know some things we don't know and will never know. We just say yes to it. And if you move only in the realm of intellectualism without power, you'll be worse off than liberals modernness of the other crowd or the fundy fundamentally you know that crowd that don't believe nothing or since we're Baptists or Blabbists that don't believe nothing verse 23 him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God ye have taken watch that and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. God raised him up. Yes. He didn't stay dead. <laughs> he came out. Death couldn't hold him. But men took wicked hands and put them on the Son of God. Think of that. Think of that. How men hate God. They hate him. You think this generation loves him? No, they hate him. They hate him. I tell you why. He acts like God everywhere he is. Boy, they hate his justice. He refuses to acknowledge to them the way he's going to do things. 
God gets ready to do something, he doesn't come by out there where I live, Spring Lake, knock on the door and say, Frank, I'm getting ready to do something. You know what he does? He just goes ahead and does it. Men hate him because he's sovereign. And he refuses for us to tell him who to save. We want to tell him who to save. He just refuses to do that and we hate him for it. And so we go out and get us a bunch and bring them in and we beat them over the head. Why don't you live right? Why don't you live right? You're having a hard time getting these lost people trying to make them live right in the church. They just won't do it. If they ever get born again, they will. Want we'll to beg them to come to church? Want we'll to beg them to give their money? You're right, Frank. I mean, plum born again. <laughs> he refuses to let us tell him who's going to save. He refuses to let us help him mete out his justice. We love to help him measure it out. You know what he says? No, no, no. Have you read the book of Job? He refuses to let us help him out. He just won't do it, you know. If God expose his life to men, they destroy him as quick as they could. And they hate God's soul. And they can't get to him. But they get to the preacher. Young preacher, you wondering why they hate you so? That's it. They get to God, they'd pull him down off his throne. God in the hands of angry men. They can't get to him. <laughs> so they get to us. They work us over. Are you serving him with what you can get out of him, Benedict? Or have you come to the place for what matters most in this life is God himself? Right, brother. One thing's absolutely certain. Men hate God. Man is sworn to God's ultimate 
destruction. It's as natural for men to hate God as it is for the rain to come down and wet the ground. A shadow of doubt hangs over us in the churches. We oppose his government. We refuse his rule over us. We will not have this wandering for us. Our natural hearts are devoid of affection for him. Men despise God's very existence. And they'll do anything in their power to get rid of him out of the universe. The bottom line is this. We consider him to be not to be worthy. We consider him not to be worthy of our total being. If we did, we'd move in that direction. Is he worthy? Sinners in the hand of an angry God. God's in the hand of angry sinners. We're in a pickle. But he is the God of revival. First truth you need to know about revival is that God does right. God does right. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Yes, he will.